Real Presence Live. To be patient to share Christ, but to be urgent, you know, just take advantage of that opportunity, that open door, that little bit of trust. Local. When we're truly and fully alive as Catholic, we have hearts that are actually that desire the good of the civil order. Engaging. But I have to start the day off by saying, you know, Father God, I offer myself to you to do with me as you wish. Live. There is a human longing for beautiful things and traditions. And if these aren't found in the church, people will seek them elsewhere. Good morning. This is Father Richard Kuntz along with Father Ryan Moravitz coming to you from the Diocese of Duluth, Minnesota on the shores of beautiful Lake Superior. Coming to you for Real Presence Live on a very snowy, slippery road day. It is something else out there, I think, across probably our whole listening area. Yes, winter is not letting go. Nope, it's not. It's a good old Minnesota winter here. Father Ryan, would you uh, begin us with a prayer, Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father God, we love you, and we thank you for everything. We thank you for the snow in the winter. (laughs) We thank you for your goodness to us. We we pray for your protection to anybody on the roads this morning um, listening in. But we ask for your blessing upon our show. Lord, may you be glorified um, in all things. Um, may you help us to be drawn closer to you um, as we visit this morning. Lord, we ask for your blessing and your grace. Mother Mary, we ask for your prayers. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So did it take you a little while longer to get here this it morning? It took a little while. I was a little slower going. I was worried about coming up the hill, so I came up 21st because oh, okay. uh, I figured there's more traffic on that. Yeah, not as I'm, steep. Yeah, and my car... Isn't very good. It's a four-door sedan, front-wheel drive. I need to go back to the all-wheel. Well, coming from St. Lawrence, where you're at, there's a lot of hills there coming down. I'd be oh, yeah. worried about that. Well, going, we, I might not get back up to the parish this afternoon. So yeah, I mean, well, the stuff. parish will probably be better off then. <laughs> 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 that might be true. I, I guess I'm not going to argue that. <laughs> no, the roads are really slick. In, in Duluth, if you've ever been to Duluth, you know that the hills can be a bugger. Yeah, especially with this, this wet, sloppy oh, snow, and there's ice underneath it, you know, that yeah, ice never. Really has gotten melted. So. Well, uh, enough of the weather. Let's talk to Eli. <laughs> Eli, are you there? I am here. Good morning, Father. Our favorite yep. person. Yep. And, we did, <laughs> we, and, and uh, actually, the best part of talking about the weather is when you give the weather later on. And so we're, we're going to be excited for that. But uh, in the meantime, maybe you can tell us a little bit about what's going to be going on in the show. Yeah, sure can. So here's what's coming up this morning on Real Presence Live. Can you imagine winning a gold medal in the Olympics? It's exactly what Coach Rob Stauber did with the U.S. women's hockey team last year in South Korea. Tune in as Rob shares what the experience was like and how his Catholic faith carried him then and carries him now. That's coming up uh, in our next segment, actually, right like right away. <laughs> and is it possible to have a career and be a mother? At St. Anthony's in Fargo, it is. Sam Doles, an employee there, will share how the Baby at Work program makes for joyous work and how it could be a great model for other parishes and businesses. And are you too old to take a spouse on a date? Definitely not. Deacon Paul Trinan of the Diocese of New Ulm will talk about the importance of taking your spouse on regular dates, whether you've been married one or even 60 years. He'll also talk about a great way to celebrate Valentine's Day with prayer and a romantic dinner. All that and a whole lot more coming up this morning on Real Presence Live. Well, I thought you were going to say one or 60 times when you open that up. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't say that. <laughs> Actually, and, and considering that, don't we have like, I think we have some sort of a Valentine Day giveaway later on in the show, but we won't you give do. any more. We won't give any more information there, about that. There, we'll get is, people, there is a Valentine's Ooh, is, is, Day is giveaway. Is that what you call a tease? It's a, or a cliffhanger. Oh, a there tease, you go. Maybe. Okay. One or the other. you got to tune in, though. you got to stay stay with us here through the whole show. Yep. And, and it's a romantic 
uh, prize. It is. See, but if you tell people that it's at the end of the show, then they can like turn it off for oh an no, hour it and could a half be and then well, turn it okay. back on at the end. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Maybe, maybe we're gonna do it in the next segment, <laughs> or maybe not. <laughs> well, thanks, Eli. I'm still learning this radio thing, Eli. You know. <laughs> yeah, he's a slow learner. <laughs> yeah, we know that. <laughs> don't don't you have a guest to get to, Father? Yes, we do. Which who are you talking about when you say Father? They're, they're, we're both fathers. That see, that's that's the an open ended question. Fair enough. It, it leaves either one of you could jump in and and, and take that's, over there at that point. See? Fair enough. That's true. All right. Thanks, Eli. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks, Eli. Let's talk to you later. All right. So uh, I believe that our guest is on the line right now. Rob, yeah. are you there? Yes, absolutely. Rob, welcome to Real Presence Live. It's good to have you. Well, thanks for the opportunity to speak this morning and uh, look forward to some of the questions. So um, uh, I, I uh, understand that, that uh, we were talking before we went on live that there's at least five states listening in and maybe a, a, some online presence. So I look forward to, you know, uh, some of the questions and, um, you know, giving That's our great. story a little bit. Great. Rob, well, let's, why don't we start there? Why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I grew up in uh, Duluth, uh, Minnesota. And um, just uh, obviously, I'm here today as a as the head coach of the women's Olympic team. But hockey's always been a, a huge part of my life, my family's uh, family's life, and, and it's just been you know it's been a blessing. At the end of the day, hockey's been such a blessing. You meet so many great people, and you know you also uh, you learn about teamwork and togetherness and, and what it takes to be successful. And, and at the end of the day, it's very similar. Is you're, you're never successful. Uh, alone it always takes a group of people to be successful and accomplish things and and um you know uh, hockey's just been a, a a great way to uh you know kind of live out really very similar uh as as you would uh you know in a practicing your faith so it, there's a lot there's a lot uh, of things that are intertwined when it comes to you know success on the ice and success in life so, and Rob, you, uh, I was reading your Wikipedia page this morning. You played some professional <laughs> hockey as a goaltender, huh? That, that's right, yep. Played yep. for the, Ten the years Kings and the Sabres, is that right? That, that's correct, yep. That's great. Yep. I, don't ha- I don't have a Wikipedia page. We could create <laughs> one, Father Rich. Rob, so how does one become the, uh, uh, the coach of the, uh, an Olympic hockey team? Well, um, Just like the short version. Yeah, the short version is, um, you know, I, I, I answered a phone call. Um, and, uh, I was asked to start with the team in 2000, November of 2010. I got a phone call, um, to be perfectly frank. I didn't recognize the number, so I let it ring through. Um, I, I listened to the voicemail and it was at that time, the head of USA hockey. Um, and, and he said, look, you're going to get a phone call to, um, uh, from our new director and she wants you to, uh, help with the goalies. And I, and I, you know, I took the phone call and I said, yes, and quite uh, frankly, Father Rich, they asked me to come in for five days to evaluate their goalies, and that five days turned into eight years and, and wow. some incredible wow. experiences. Yeah, it's, you couldn't you couldn't write it, you couldn't plan it, um, and that's why I know and knew what was behind it all. That's fantastic, Rob. Let's jump now then to kind of the most recent thing. That mm-hmm. last game uh, in these last Olympics. Take us back to that moment in those last few seconds uh, when you realized you were about to win a gold medal. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, you, you never want it to be as close as it was, but 
Um, you know, I do, I do really believe that it was meant to be that way. Um, and, and, and I'll, I'll tell you why is number one, it was the most, uh, you know, memorable, probably women's hockey game ever that you played in. And, um, if, if you want to do great things, you want people to be able to talk about that game for a long, long time. You know, honestly, I'll tell you from the bottom of my heart that, that I always felt that if, if, if we played our best day in and day out, you were, I felt like we were two or three goals better than Canada, but, but Canada's a very tough competitor. They're never gonna, they're never going away. So inevitably, it's almost always gonna be close, but, but I always felt like we were really two or three goals better. But you get into the Olympic Games, you got pressure, you got all sorts of things, and it ends up into a shootout where, um, uh, it was just a phenomenal, a phenomenal way to end uh, the Olympics and a very memorable way. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll remember it the rest of my life. There's no question about it. So has there been, has there been, uh, It's you know, I mean, we, you hear a lot about professional sports people and how their lives change uh, forever being a professional sports, you know, person. But how has your life changed? Has there been a noticeable change since you've been the coach of a, of a gold-winning Olympic hockey team? Well... Father Rich, uh, I'll be perfectly frank, not only to uh, you guys, because it's worth it, and anybody that's listening is, um, I will, I will uh, say that um, my, my purpose through this was a gold medal is never going to change my life. I detached from the outcome personally, um, because I always felt that if, if, uh, if a gold medal is all it was about, then I don't want any part of it. Mm-hmm. It had to be a much deeper purpose, and I will tell you that I believe to this day that that purpose still is being fulfilled. And the one thing that's come out of it for me that has changed, which I'm so, I feel so fortunate about and quite frankly blessed and, and quite honestly, I know God's not done with this process and it's not about a gold medal. It's not about, uh, you know, uh, that moment in time that, that there's something else behind it. And um, for me personally, it's that, I have a chance to speak more now and speak to groups, and that's where the real, for me, the real value is going to come in, where I can make the biggest difference. That was a moment in time, and quite frankly, um, uh, I, I challenged our players, and I said to them directly many times that if this gold medal is just about you hanging around your neck, you're going to come out of the Olympics lonely. If you haven't, and I said to our players, if you have not figured out how you're going to make other people's lives better when you have that medal, it's going to be lonely. You cannot win it for yourself. It has to be a bigger purpose. You have to know how you're going to affect others' lives with this. And and I believe that, that that's what it's about. This is Father Rich Kunz along with Father Ryan Moravitz talking with Coach Rob Stauber about the Olympic hockey team, women's Olympic hockey gold medalists on Real Presence Live. Rob, uh, why don't you say a little bit about how um, how your faith, you know, I mean, how does faith translate? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're you're giving a great segue in what you're saying, and it's very, to me, it's very edifying what you're saying uh, in regards to yeah. what's the real purpose. But how does your how does your Catholic faith factor into this experience? Well, put 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 the trust in the Lord. That, I mean, and I'll talk about that just, but very simply, put your trust in the Lord, and and I. I I think it, it, this is probably something very interesting uh, to maybe everybody that's listening, but going into the Olympics, um, 
And when I was named head coach of the team in 2016, I had no head coaching experience. And you can oh. only imagine when <laughs> wow. you can only imagine the headwinds that that are going to be normal. You should expect headwinds from you know the outside world, and, and not only the outside world, but also the inside world. Players that have that have worked their entire lives to try to get a gold medal and, and experience that, and now they have been uh, uh, given a uh, a head coach with no head coaching experience one one year away from the. Olympics and and so you, you can only imagine what the headwinds were and and the things that surrounded that and I I just personally I knew it so I didn't fight it and and I I think I didn't fight it I didn't resist it I knew that I was there for a reason so every single day um, especially through very difficult and challenging times I just I put it back into the Lord's hands I. I, I believe that I was there for a reason, and and it was the most peaceful time. It was so peaceful, and it was really special because um, I think people can relate to life, and not only in sports, but just life, where that inner voice can really get in, you know, get in your own way. And and it wasn't possible for that inner voice to get in my way because I, it was it was all driven by I was there for a reason, and and I and I believe that, and I knew that. And so I had the most faith and the most trust in the process, and and I lived very peacefully through, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, difficult challenges. Rob, you're um, you know, you grew up in a great family of faith. You know, your your folks are at daily mass every day, um, and you grew up in a great parish, um, but you grew up in a hockey family, and. Mm-hmm. You know, as a Catholic as well, can you can you share a little bit about your family experience and maybe an encouragement to those hockey families out there? I mean, really, sports families that are running around on weekends or raising their kids with the discipline of the sport, but incorporated to the discipline of the faith, the goodness of the faith, and and maybe some of your experience with that, either growing up or raising raising kids, or your experience all the way through the different levels. Well, my parents were the best example. I mean. Yeah. The- we would go to, you know, six boys. My dad might take three. My mom might take three. Um, or it might be three, two, and ones at home who's not playing on the weekend. And, and we were driving all over the, uh, all, I mean, uh, whether it's Canada, whether it's the cities, whether it's up north, it doesn't matter where. There's, first of all, it was always finding the church. We're always going to make mass, regardless. Um, and, and the beautiful thing is many families on the team were the same way. So it wasn't just us, but there was an incredible, um, in, in, incredible what's most valuable. And, and so I was able to, to, you know, grow up in a family like that where, where there was something more important than the sport. And, and not only that, um, I can't tell you how many times we, we said the Hail Mary on, on the road trip. And, <laughs> and I mean, it was, you know, we were kids, trust me, we were seven, eight, nine years old, and we could recite it and repeat it. We probably didn't know one iota really what it was all about, but we were saying the prayer, you know, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, it was ingrained, and, and it was, you know, everything was always about living, uh, you know, living, living differently, and, uh, you know, hockey is a great game, but it's not everything, and so... That was our family's uh, uh, perspective. Is is we were fortunate to be able to play the game of hockey, but you know what? There was uh, first and foremost uh, something more important. 
I think your parents are probably listening in right now, Rob. You can say hi to them if you want to. <laughs> well, if if my mom found the channel, I, she called me before, <laughs> and I said, I have no idea. So. Well, uh, is there anything else? Uh, I mean, it, you know, there's probably a number of people that are listening in that maybe are Catholic families that have young kids. What kind of advice would you give them in regards to sports and, and uh, you know, hockey well, and bringing up kids in the faith? Well, I, I would say this. I mean, I, I and I see it when you read about it is, is um, I don't think people enjoy it. I think they're always looking into the future and always mm-hmm. trying to play on the future, whether it's scholarships, whether it's, uh, you know, it doesn't always have to be scholarships, but it, it's, it's, there's too much planning into the future, and when you're doing that, how can you live in the moment? How can you enjoy that road trip down? How can you enjoy that game you're, all, you're at if you're always looking into the future? And, and you know what? I mean, God tells us not to do that. So why, why would we? I mean, there's a hundred lessons on why not to do that. So I would just say stay in the moment and enjoy where you're at. And, and when you do, you're going to see things, and you're going to have awareness, and you're going to enjoy the process of uh, you know just raising your kid. So mm-hmm. I, I would just say stay in the moment. Rob, that is great advice. Is, yeah. And, you know, I've, I've been blessed to hear you talk on a few different occasions, and I'm glad that you've been given more of an opportunity to do that because you're very inspirational. And so thank you very much for joining us, Rob. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. God bless you, Rob. Thank you. Great. great. God bless, Rob. Well, yep. that, was a, that was a very great segment. That was really great. He's <laughs> and, good. And, and uh, um, we're going to, right after the break, we're going to be talking about a whole bunch of different things coming up in the show. We're going to have things about politicians and excommunication and maybe bring your kids to work, all sorts of things, plus opportunities to call in. Yeah. We'll talk to you after the show. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Programming on Real Presence Radio was brought to you in part by Bishop Ryan Catholic School in Minot. Every parent wants the best for their children, and as Catholics, we understand that this means doing everything we can to help our children know, love, and serve God with their lives. Education should be about more than finding a career. It should help one find their vocation. While focusing on math, science, language arts, and social studies, a complete education needs to include the truths of the faith as well. Education should guide children down the right path, providing them the grace of the sacraments and surrounding them in a culture that values virtue. I'm Father Jaden Nelson, president of Bishop Ryan Catholic School, and we provide an education in which our children are taught to have inspired minds, faithful hearts, and lives of virtue. Like you, we want the best for your children. For more information about the beautiful things happening here at Bishop Ryan, visit bishopryan.com. Don't pass up your opportunity to be a part of the Bishop Ryan family. This year, your officials are making big decisions that will shape the future of life and dignity in Minnesota. Together, we can make sure Catholic voices count at the Capitol. This is Rachel Herbeck of the Minnesota Catholic Conference. On February 19th, join Minnesota Catholics at the Capitol in St. Paul. Register today for this amazing day of prayer, inspiration, education, and advocacy to hear from speakers including Jim Caviezel from The Passion of the Christ. Get tickets and busing details at catholicsatthecapitol.org. Don't miss this incredible opportunity. It's going to be amazing. 
Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday on Real Presence Live. It's Straight Talk from 9.30 to 10 a.m. Central. You're addressing critical Catholic issues in a fun way. Straight Talk is your opportunity to share questions and comments on topics relating to the faith or on things happening in the world around us with our local hosts and priests. My question is... I have some questions about the bishop. Very good questions. Thanks for the guidance. Straight Talk, 9.30 to 10 Central, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday mornings on Real Presence Live. People think A and B is in the copier business, but we're not. We are in the people business. Whether it's coffee and water, managed print services, document management, or our newest editions of promo gear and managed IT services, we've got you covered. At A and B, we're number two because our customers are number one. We can be reached at one 800 477 2425 or online at abbusiness.com. Hi everyone, Steve Sponskowski here, Executive Director for the RPR Network, inviting you on the Real Presence Radio Northern California Mission Pilgrimage, April 4th through 9th, 2019. We will visit some of the missions of St. Unipero Serra, the wine country of the Sonoma Valley, and sites of San Francisco. We'll be staying at a beautiful retreat center with easy day trips to the sites. Cost based on double occupancy is $1,936, or if you want to get your own flight, it's $1,358. For more information, please call 877-795-0122. You're listening to the RPR Network. Now, back to more Real Presence Live. Good morning. This is Father Richard Kunzlaw and Father Ryan Moravitz coming to you from the Diocese of Duluth, Minnesota on Real Presence Live. It is good to have all of you listeners from all over Radio Land. Father Ryan. Father Rich. How have you been lately? I haven't seen you for a few days. I've been well. Um, I've been really well. We, we had. A, I went on a retreat last week. Um, Bishop Cousins out of the Archdiocese led it and um, was really... One of the most grace-filled and fruitful retreats I've I've been on as really? a priest. Really, um, just a great week of prayer. Had just some really good graces. So I've been doing really well. I mean, God's, oh, God's good. It's good to have. So that's continued on in your day-to-day life after retreat. Yeah, really. Yeah, it's been a real blessing, actually. Oh. So it's you know I'm, you, I want to kind of cling to the moment as we do sometimes coming off of a good experience, right. a good retreat like right. that. Right. You know, getting back into just the daily routine and stuff, you know, but it, it was just, it was really a good week last week, so. Huh. Now, you weren't at RCIA last night either, were you? I wasn't. I had a finance council meeting. Oh, okay. I got finance tonight. That's going well, though, isn't it? We Well, I mean, I'm sure we've talked about this on the air before, but we do, I do think that we've got about the best RCIA program I've been part of before. Yeah, because it, I'm teaching. So, I mean, you have never, it's never been as good because. I really like that last guest that we had. <laughs> Rob's a good friend of mine, and he, he is so, he is so inspirational. He really is. He really is. And it's and a great they, family. That's that yeah, family. Yeah, so. I know. I know them as well. And as well, well, I mean, I'm not their pastor, but I know. I've known some of them for a long time. Yeah. And they really are. It's a great, uh, great Catholic family and a good Catholic, you know, uh, hockey family. We talk a lot about that in different settings, and we've had guests as as well in the past, like Scott Pionk. Or guys, how do you how do you take sports, which is like an ever consuming aspect of people's lives in the United States these days, and then have a well-lived faith life in that it's so difficult yeah because it's so consuming and the stoppers are very um uh, contemporary with me you know in my family because you were a hockey player i grew up playing hockey my two brothers so there's three of us they had six guys that were in in that family playing hockey but we were contemporaries we were on different teams but uh uh it's good to know that um that there were other families out there during my period of time growing up playing hockey that put faith first and you have to. I've, uh, as much as hockey is my favorite sport, 
but I've kind of tongue-in-cheek have, have often said that it's the devil's sport because it's all-consuming. And so many people don't go to church. So many people don't go to uh, religious ed because of hockey. And hockey takes over everything. And so uh, that's why I call it tongue-in-cheek the devil's sport. As much as it's a great sport, God is first. You know, yeah. you know no matter how good of a hockey player you are, that's not going to help you get to heaven. Yeah, I was, you know, I sometimes like to say you're going to be holding on to a hockey stick on your last day, or you're going to be holding on to the crucifix and yeah, you, exactly. you know, asking for the Eucharist or a puck. You know, <laughs> what do you want on your well, last day? Exactly. And it doesn't mean that we can't play hockey or have fun and everything like that. And there's some really great families out there, right? Who are they're good they're, examples? Like, give a good example. Yeah, they're totally dedicated to getting to mass and things like that. So it's it's really great. Um, now, were you in sports growing up? I was in sports. I I, I was on a lot of teams. <laughs> <laughs> I was a pretty mediocre athlete, um, but I played basketball and baseball. Loved mm-hmm. baseball when I was younger, and I ran track. Was that ever an issue in the family in regards to being gone on weekends for some sporting event versus you know no, the I challenge? Think, of... I think it was different back then. Up in Ely, up in Ely, you know, basketball was a Monday to Friday thing, right? You know, and um, and baseball too on the weekends. You know, there I don't. I don't remember playing baseball on Sunday mornings, you know. You, right, you right. played you played Saturdays, you played Sunday afternoons sometimes or later morning. Yeah. You know, it wasn't this kind of all day Sunday thing that right. everything's kind of right. doing now, right? And probably because you I mean, had volleyball, basketball, everything consumes Sunday now. Too. And Ely's a, a smaller population, so there probably wasn't a whole lot going on there. Where here I think the larger population has a lot more going on sports-wise in Duluth, I should say. Those are. I just think, but my experience is, I think there's a lot more traveling teams younger and younger now. True. I think hockey was always that way, but you're seeing that with volleyball, mm-hmm. basketball. I think baseball more and more, where there's more and more kind of traveling squads for longer seasons, and yeah, and they can cons- completely consume the weekend. It's kind of been. I mean, even in my own family, among my siblings, it's always been a point of tension a little bit because we were brought up. I mean. My mom is not Catholic. My dad is Catholic. And we were brought up very clearly that mass is number one. And so, you know, I've seen the struggle in my own family. I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, you got to bring your kids to mass. You got to, this is the most important thing. And so it's brought some tension into, into relationships, seeing that my siblings would, not all of them, but some would put the sports above the, uh, the mass and above, you know, the faith practice. And, and no matter what, the kids, when they get done with sports, that, that's going to end at some point, yep. but the faith needs to be strengthened. It needs to be strengthened in the early years. Yep. Just like what Rob was saying on the air just a little bit ago, it's like we were praying the rosary on our way to to mass. It's like I didn't know what they were about, what those what those words were, but think of how it stayed with him, yep. you know. And so, and it can be so much a both and kind of a thing, right. you know. It can be hockey and the faith. It can be football and the faith, you know. It should be everything should be yeah. balanced in that yeah. regard. Because you even see the you know a lot of these professional. Um, athletes at all levels, you know, they're they're disciplined in the faith and they're disciplined in their sport. And, right. You know, they're they're very inspirational when you see that. And Somebody get, like Rob. Uh, you know. And when you get on the professional level, you have to be because there's so much temptation that comes that way in regards to the whole professional realm of sports. Yep. You know. Yeah. Hmm. So, uh, were you a slam dunker in basketball? I I was I was not. I didn't think so. That was kind of that was kind of tongue in cheek. I was a bench player. Oh, you were a bench player. Absolutely. Really? Uh, you know, played some JV and stuff, uh, but really wasn't wasn't good enough in the game. My brother, mm-hmm. Father Brandon, he was he was a great point guard, 
two or three year starter. I think you know he. he I think he was the all time assist leader at a certain point in Ely really? High School. Wow. Yeah. And we played on some really good teams. Um, but I was never a great athlete. How about you? Are you what level were you at as a hockey uh, player? Well, you know, I mean, I you're played kind of scrawny, so. I know. I played. I played a lot of sports. It wasn't just hockey, but hockey seemed to be the main thing. And so, uh, you know, I didn't. I didn't play high school. But you know, I've been. Uh, I grew up playing hockey, but I didn't play on a high school team. But I've been playing up until just recently. You know, and so, uh, um, so on Saturday mornings, I'm not playing it this year. But so hockey's always been a big part of my life. But kind of like you, track and played baseball and soccer and ran marathons when I got a little bit older. And so, uh, you know, that keeping uh, keeping healthy and exercising is something I need to, to work on now as I get a little bit older. I've been though. trying to work on that myself as I get older. Oh. You know, I've got two I've got two guys in my parish um, that were just on a retreat. They're big hockey players, and they're really good hockey players here in the area um, at one of our local high schools. And they came back from this retreat and that retreat down in the Twin Cities. Oh. And um, just completely fired up for the Lord, yeah. like a, a, just a real genuine experience of the Lord for the first time in their lives, and an experience of Mary. They were mm-hmm. so pumped up about Mary; really? they were like, "We didn't really fully realize how awesome Mary yeah. is." <laughs> so I went out to coffee with these two guys, and you know, they're really trying to incorporate it into kind of the locker room and their right. routine and in they their play season. High school hockey. Yeah, and they're very high-level, talented players. Well, it's well, it's kind of neat to see because they're leaders on the local team. Uh, here and you what know, team? What team is I've it? Kind of been intentional. Uh, Hermantown. Oh, Hermantown. Okay. So two of the Hermantown players. They're they're just great guys, and they've they've oh. really been um you know trying to bring that into their their experience as a high school athlete mm-hmm. and bring their faith into that. Be it praying before and after games, and they're just kind of really inspiration. I've been praying for them and trying to encourage them because they're super great. Uh, and getting to know the Lord, so that's you know, it's a both and, you know, you can right. be an athlete and a Catholic and be great at both, you know. Right. Oh, exactly. So. Well, uh, we're coming up to a time where people have an opportunity to call yeah, in. Yeah, give a call in, folks. We're we're looking forward to chatting with some people. Eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. There they are, people calling in. That is our cue for you to call in as listeners with anything you want to ask or talk about. 877-795-0122 So this segment is called Straight Talk. You can also put a, um, go to the Facebook page, Real Presence uh, Radio on Facebook and submit a question through that as well. But give us a call or send one in on Facebook and we'll discuss whatever you're interested in discussing today. Now, now we here's love a, this segment. Here's so. a little bit of a challenge is that normally we set up this uh, um, uh, computer so i can see what the question is i like surprising you but father ryan has hogged it all wait a minute now i didn't set it up this morning i have no idea what's going on with this uh, i gotta get father rich in the loop so he can see the screen so i know very much gotta move the computer here's the nice thing this is the thing i like about that he's comfortable thank you (laughs) this is this is the nice thing i like about um uh, uh ewtn radio as a whole is that uh so many of our national shows are call in segments yeah and they're always getting tons of calls, and and I love listening to Real Presence Radio because of these call-ins. There's there are so many there's so many answers by these priests and and like Dr. Anders and all these other people that have these shows. They're answering questions like that's a great answer. I've I've used so much what I've heard from the call-in shows on EWTN and uh, Real Presence Radio in my own incorporated in my own life as priest, and it's been great. And so 
here's your opportunity to do it on a more local level uh, in our in our real presence live uh, listening family to call in and ask Father Ryan a question, Father Richard a question, anything about what's going on in the church today, anything in the theological realm. I'm not saying that we're going to be able to answer them well, but uh, if if we can't answer them well, you can just listen to Dr. David Andrews later on in the afternoon. Maybe. Yep. It might be something going on in your life. It might be something going on in your prayer life or your local parish or your diocese, you know, that you want to maybe ponder or talk about. There's just so many options. So uh, give a call in, folks. 877. What is it next? 795-0122. I'm going to give a little shout-out to my grandmas who are probably oh. listening up on the hey, grandmas. Up um, i got some dear friends, Andy and Gloria, down in Florida that I think are tuning in. Andy's um, he's, he's in the hospital, so Andy, we're praying for you. Ask all of our listeners to say a prayer for Andy and his wife, Gloria. Andy's a man of the rosary, a really inspirational man, a good Catholic man. And so I just want to say hi to them. I think they're tuning in, too. It's neat to think of... Uh, People all over the place. People all over listening, you know. Yep. So even in Rome, didn't we have a, one of our seminarians call we from did. Rome? We had one of our seminarians call from Rome last time. And That's eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. Any burning questions in your mind, or anything going on in your life that you want to maybe you know bounce it off with a, a priest in a more anonymous sort of way, you can certainly do that. There's there's no there's no shortage of news out there that we can talk about though too. If people are going to be uh, not calling in, although we certainly want people. But we to want to talk in. about what you want to talk about. Exactly. That's what, what you want to hear is. about. So uh, you can check us out on Facebook as well. Father Rich, have you ever read C.S. Lewis's The Great Divorce? I have. It was a long time ago, but I did read it. So I, I listened to that on Audible this mm-hmm. week um, when I was in the car, and I just can't stop thinking about it. It was one of these books where I didn't know. Cause I, I kind of like was kind of going through a C.S. Lewis phase a number of years ago, so I was like just reading everything of his. And I was like, like a quarter of the way through the book, and I'm still thinking to myself, what is this book about? You know, it's like, <laughs> what's going on? Yeah, here? I don't know what's really happening in this book. And so, yeah, I remember by the time it all wrapped up, how amazing of a book it is. You know, we think of C.S. Lewis, or a lot of people think of him in the more the popular books that he wrote. What are the real famous books? Screw tape letters, mere well, Christianity. I mean, no, I mean, but wasn't there like a uh, uh, fantasy? The Chronicles of Narnia. The Chronicles of Narnia. A lot of people think of on the secular level that that's yeah. C.S. Lewis, but but Lewis was such an incredible author when it came to the christian and he wasn't catholic but the christian things like you know, like you mentioned the screw tape letters mere christianity i mean i say that the screw tape letters is the letter is the book that most nails human nature than any book i've ever read how he defines human nature in these letters between these these two devils or the one devil i should say uh and talking about temptation and human nature is, is really it's fascinating stuff. In The Great Divorce, I, I love that dynamic of the things that we cling to. Because yeah. you know, it's this whole dynamic of seeing these different personalities and, and people that cling to these earthly things. And they're, mm-hmm. they're literally, they're, they'd rather cling to that and go to hell right. than to let go of it and right. go to heaven. Right. You know, and that's everything from, you know, their pride to their grumbling to their jealousies to their self-pity. You know, all these yeah. different things. Uh, just... I, I and was lots of times, just so fascinated by it. It was so entertaining too. And lots of the times, the clinging that they cling to, on in and of itself, is not a bad thing. But it's how they deal with it and how they cling to it. Basically, yeah. there can be some deceptive things that we think that are not bad or might even be virtuous, but by the nature and how we deal with it, could be 
bad for That's us. That's exactly right. And that book like captures that too because there's even good things, you know, things that are Absolutely. not bad, but we cling to them in the wrong way. Absolutely. Even our love, you know. Right. So there's one character in there where actually her love for her son is so unhealthy that it, yeah. that she won't enter into heaven because she's not willing to love in a, right, a, right. a different kind of but way. But in that in that book, wasn't there like a, a sentence? I read it years ago, so just refresh my memory. Wasn't it an issue kind of like of a, a purgatory type of mentality? Is that what's going on? It's not so much a helping as it is a purgatory well, thing. Well, it's, it's it? a both and because the, the valley, the town down below, is, is purgatory slash hell. So it's kind okay. of, it's not quite our theology, right? So that question is asked, well, what's the valley down below? What's the town? Is that purgatory? Is it hell? And, they, you know, the angels and the, the saved souls, mm-hmm. right, um, say, well, it, it's purgatory for those who choose to come here and go to the mountain, right? Right, right. And it's hell for those who choose to stay there or go back and just remain there. Right. So it's kind of a both and in that, that sense, you know, and they can get on the bus and come up. And go through this purgative phase where, you know, like the grass cuts their feet and the, yep. everything's hard, but they can become, right. you know, human again, if you will, and yeah. go to the mountain. Yeah. So they, it's that wrestle with it. And there's just some great stuff in it. I can't help but think that uh, they were influenced by the Divine Comedy by Dante. I don't know if you've ever read that, but Pope Francis, when, when the, uh, when Pope Francis called the, um, uh, the Holy Year of Mercy, uh, well, actually, I think we've got a caller coming. I can hold that thought, but, uh, uh, divine, uh, the divine comedy is basically what I'm trying to say is that that was a great thing in regards to purgatory, heaven and hell. And, and, uh, Pope Francis recommended it being read. And so, uh, I think we have a caller in right now. Uh, somebody there. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello. What's your name? Your first name? Mike. Mike, you have a question for us? Thanks yeah, for calling first, um, Mike. Yeah, Mike, thanks for calling. We're, we're, so we're caught well, a little off guard because you should. Usually it comes up on our screen, but our, I don't. Our screen oh, okay. is like froze or something anyway. here. So, anyway, anyways, uh, Mike, what's your question? This past Sunday, the second reading talked about Jesus appearing. <coughs> excuse me, to Cephas and the twelve. Given that Judas had probably hung himself already, who was the twelfth person? Yeah, actually, that's an excellent question. It's Mike, right? Ex- excellent yeah. question. Uh, you know, the 12, first off, we have to look at it from the context of, was it after the Acts of the Apostles of calling uh, the call of Matthias to take the place of Judas or not? I don't even want to enter into that chronology because it could have been it could have been Matthias at that point. Oh, okay. But 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 the other but the but the other way of looking at it is that I don't the number twelve is what's important here because whether Judas was there or not and Matthias wasn't picked yet or not, the fact that the number 12 is significant because that's the new Israel from the 12 tribes okay. of Israel to the 12 apostles. I always say, you know, the people, the personalities of the 12 apostles are secondary to the number. And so what the author, okay. what Paul, what the Paul, Paul is mostly trying to say is that, that he's addressing that Jesus appeared to his original apostles, those original 12, whether, whether even we could even question was Thomas there? Because we know in the Gospel of John that Thomas wasn't there that one time, you know. So was there only ten? But they still called it the twelve because it was the apostles as the new Israel. Okay. How's that? Does that does that make some sense? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Great. Thanks. Thanks Thank a lot, you. Mike. Thanks for calling. 
Thanks, Mike. That's a great question. Those are the kind of things. Father Rich, that was a great answer. I, I was not. Oh, well, thank you. I, I wasn't sure what I was going to say to that. So. That's what I'm here for, Father Ryan, to back you up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, um, we're getting our computer fixed, and we're, we're kind of back on. So you can also submit one on Facebook. So Angie on Facebook has, um, you know, submitted something. Um, she says, I was reading Genesis 36 this morning, and I noticed that it goes through the family line of Esau three times. Esau? Yeah. First it says who his sons are. Then it repeats them all, emphasizing who their mothers are. And thirdly, it states them all as chiefs. Do you know what the purpose of the emphasis is? Wow. The emphasis on? On, I think, his the family line, yeah? Well, family lines. I, I, mean, I don't, you're reading, I'm not looking at it, but I'm assuming that the... the the uh, the idea of focusing on family lines is we see in the Gospel of Matthew and Luke, we see this genealogy of Jesus. And so genealogies and family connections were highly significant all throughout the scriptures. And we see it come to its you know crescendo with the genealogies of Jesus and his connection to these these characters from the Old Testament. And so focusing on, if I get where the question's coming from, focusing on the family and the family line was highly significant to the Jewish people. And so you see, you see uh, um, evidence of that all throughout the Old Testament and in, then into the New Testament. I'm thinking that might be where the question was I think that that's, coming from. that's probably fair, huh? Yeah, because, I mean, we look at even, you know, Jesus didn't have a last name. He was known as the son of Joseph. And so usually somebody, it, it was really the Roman Empire. We adopted the Roman Empire's idea of three names. That was more of a Roman thing, where the Jewish people had one name. And then they were known by their father's name. So it would have been Jesus, son of Joseph, and then, or of Nazareth, of the, the town they were from. And so we see even in the naming of the people that their name was totally connected to their ancestry and their parents and their, maybe even their grandparents. We're getting more into that these days with the Ancestry.com stuff and, you know, the 23andMe, all these genealogy, all these DNA tests. You know, I mean, we inherently want to know our genealogy. We inherently want to know who came before us and where did I come from. And so we see that clear, clearly in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Uh, um, and we're getting onto it now more in the, in the modern era. Good question. Great we're, question, Andy. We're liking these questions you so can, far. You can call in at 877-795-0122 or check us out on Facebook at Real Presence Radio and submit a question there. The guys will get it to us um, and we'll answer it. So, Angie, thanks for the, the question on Facebook. Uh, super question. Um, I'm glad Father Rich is here. I'm not always great at the more... Well, I'm just really good at making stuff up quickly. <laughs> I'm glad you just admitted yeah. that. <laughs> so, Father Rich, do you know... Um, it was 90 years ago yesterday. Today. Today? Today, today I think it's on... What, what am I talking about? Is today the 11th or the 12th? Today's the 12th. Maybe it is yesterday. I thought it was today. What am I talking about? It's the signing of the Lateran Treaty. Yeah. yeah. So the Vatican Vatican City State became a nation 90 years ago, either today or yesterday. I should know that. But uh, uh, yeah, and so we think of the Vatican as this, like, this really, really old country, and indeed it's really, really old, but it's only been a country in the modern sense of the term since the year 1929. Mussolini signed with uh, Pius XI the Lateran Treaty, and the guy who signed on behalf of uh, Pius XI was Cardinal Gaspari, the Secretary of State. And so, yeah, I mean, so it's uh, for between 1870 and 1929, there was absolutely no country of the Vatican. There used to be something that we called the Papal States. That was like all Central Italy, that boot. 
and then uh, in the late 1860s, the northern and southern kingdoms of Italy joined in to take over the Papal States and become a unified uh, country. And the Vatican itself, though, I mean, it, prior to it being a city-state, I mean, it, it was still the functioning and the... the, the it was not recognized. The core government governance of the church of the church, yeah, in. but it was yeah, was not recognized by it. It was not recognized as a country, yeah. But now it is smallest country in the world, and that happened as of nineteen twenty nine. So that's their Independence Day is nineteen twenty nine, February eleventh. I think it is the eleventh, February eleventh, nineteen twenty nine. Yeah, I've got um uh, actually, you know, I mean, I don't like to bring up my my collection in these types of shows, but I've actually got a photograph of the original signing of the Lateran Treaty, where everybody that's in the photograph, signed the photograph. And so it's including Mussolini and Cardinal Gaspari. So I'm always kind of in tune with the whole papal thing because of that sort of stuff. So you can go on my website, papalartifacts.com, and actually see that photograph and see what uh, we're commemorating today or yesterday is the 90th anniversary of the independence of Vatican City State. And it is a national uh, holiday there. Everything closes down on that day. It's also the feast day of Our Lady of Lourdes. That's right. And do you know what happened on February 11th, 2013? Uh, February 11th, 2000. Yes. Pope Benedict uh, announced his resignation. Yes. yes. All right. Yeah, that's right. We just had that anniversary as well. Do you uh, remember that day? I remember. I, it's one of those days I in do. history where, like, I remember I, I exactly ne- what well, happened. I woke, I mean, I woke up to it, yeah. you know, because I wake up to the news. My alarm is the news. It's like, in that I shot out of bed like I could not <laughs> believe what was going on. It's like, I couldn't believe what I just heard. I was just utterly shocked. The Pope is resigning. First time a Pope has resigned willingly since 1294. Isn't so it's like, we live in a period of time where it's still absolutely amazing uh, that we are living with two Popes. So call in with 877-795-0122. You're hearing Father Ryan and I talk. We can talk all the time. But what we want to do is hear your calls. We've had a couple of great questions so far, and we're looking for more of them. 877-795-0122. You can call in. You can do it via Facebook. You can do it via other ways, Father Ryan, as well. <laughs> there other ways. Mainly the phone. <laughs> the phone. 877-795-0122. You know, if you're scared of coming online and you want to call, you can call and give Eli the question, and he can relay it to us. He might not relay We'd it. We love to well, like, talk but... online with folks, you know, but I know that sometimes you might be nervous. Like, I'm not calling because I don't want to go on the air. But if you have a question... You know, Father Rich is a—he's got a wealth of knowledge on the papacy. Um, a lot of people love to ask those kind of questions. Um, so you know, as you can hear, you know, as and, we're and Father Ryan has a wealth of knowledge on moose hunting, moose hunting, and fishing, <laughs> <laughs> which is a good thing because you can find God in that. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Exactly. I mean, so we can we view God not only in the revealed text but also in nature. That's right. The Book of Nature. That's right. Eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. You know, like I was saying earlier on, is that all of our live shows that are on uh, EWTN radio are not all of them, but many of them are these call-in shows, and there's tons of people calling with excellent, excellent questions. And we know that in our more localized Real Presence Live family listening area, that there's got to be other people with good questions about the faith. You just call in at eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. Um. You know, as was mentioned earlier, I was on retreat last week, and, you know, in my prayer life and in my spiritual life, I have what many would call an Ignatian spirituality. You do? Yeah. One in which, you know, you, you contemplate and you place yourself, you know, in in the biblical scene right. or in a place with the Lord and really allow the Lord to give you an image of maybe his love or his mm-hmm. word for you that day. And you really focus on, like, this, like the the 
details of the scene, being in the scene, right? Yeah, being okay. in the scene. So, for instance, you know, um, you know, one of the things I recently prayed on was, you know, the whole um, anointing of Jesus' feet, you know, and it's it's, mm -hmm. it's Martha, right, that anoints his feet. No, it's Mary. It's Mary. It's Mary. <laughs> Martha's busy, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, we in some cases, we don't know. I mean, there's some confusion as to who it really is that's anointing his feet, but anyhow. So, it, you know, so, you know, you place yourself in that scene, mm -hmm. and, you know, in, in my last time praying on it, just a few days ago, you know, it was it was being Lazarus in that scene, because he's there, and he's already been risen right. from the dead, you know, like, what's going through Lazarus' heart? What would be going through my heart in this experience of, of seeing Mary anoint his feet, and the room's filled with perfume, and, you know, what does that do in allowing the Lord to kind of move in that? You know, it's a great way to pray, but it's also, you know, something that you need to learn how to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never done a, an Ignatian retreat before, and so uh, I know that it's it's a very valuable form of prayer, and I've never really gotten into it, you know, at least not with anybody assisting me with it, you know. But I can certainly see the value of of imagining yourself in the scene. What's your favorite scene in the Bible that you like to imagine yourself in? Uh, ooh, that's a really good question. Uh, really, the crucifixion. Um, as as a seminarian, the the scene of the crucifixion was a really powerful scene that the Lord kind of brought me through in stages in my spiritual life mm -hmm. as I was particularly in college seminary. And I still go back to that. Um, so that for me kind of, if you will too, that kind of the stations of the cross, kind of all those images are great ones for me to go into mm -hmm. love Christmas time. Cause it leads me into that, right. just the whole nativity scene and being in the midst of that. Right. Um, I love the walk. I love, I love the walking on the water of Peter. I love mm -hmm. praying with that, but my, Favorite one surrounding Peter is when he jumps out of the boat. Oh, sure. You know, when Jesus is on the risen Lord right, is right, on the right, shore. Right, right, And John. That one I, like, really, really love. So, um, we've got another question. Um, so somebody, um, Tina from Duluth, she was searching online and came across anti-popes and how many there have been. What is an anti-pope? And this site named JP2, an anti-pope. Why would they do that? Okay, get off that site, Tina. <laughs> yeah, a That's bad a site, it's Tina. It's a bad site. Yep. And so, uh, a good question. Yeah, it's a good question, but a bad site. So an anti-pope is anybody that would have laid claim to the papacy. There's a lot of people that are like losing their mind that are might be an institution that think that they're popes. So these are people that, that may have had some sort of legitimate, not legitimacy, but uh, a, a strong argument with people following them but weren't really the, the valid pope. And so there's a lot of people that were claiming to be an anti-pope or a pope but but not pope. And so uh, uh, there's probably been, you know, I mean, there's a ton of people that have done that over the centuries, but if you go, like, on official lines or official lists of historical anti-popes, I'm guessing, and this is just a guess, you're probably, you're probably at around 20 to 30 anti-popes. And so a pope is somebody, an anti-pope is somebody who claimed to be a pope but is not a pope. And no, John Paul II was not an anti-pope. He was the greatest of popes. And so that's why I say get off that website. It's a piece of junk. Go on to papalartifacts.com instead. You'll see all the lists there, and uh, you'll see a lot of good information. Now, there's a, there's an added question here at the end on our screen. It says Pope Michael, question mark. So there, I think this is referencing there's a, there's a guy in, I think, Kansas. Oh. Somewhere in the United States, who's kind of self-proclaimed him as himself as Pope. Well, that guy wouldn't even make the list of. Yeah, no, it's a little humorous. You almost like you know you want to pray for him. Um, but oh. it, you know, some of you folks have maybe seen him out there online. He's I've got, never seen him. I don't. He's got kind of an online presence. It's, it's, oh, really? It's a little goofy. Well, it has to. Um, be. I think, yeah. Um, but something like that, you know, would you consider him an anti-pope? No, I'd call him a little bit crazy, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So an, an you know, an anti-pope is somebody would be somebody that would have. 
some real following, you know, some serious following. So could that be, for instance, a, a, a bishop who kind of breaks away and, and declares himself? There's been all sorts of different yeah. circumstances. You know, one of our anti-popes are a canonized saint. Do you know who that is, Father Ryan? I don't. Father Ryan, we have an anti-pope that is a canonized saint. Drum roll. Do, 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 saint Hippolytus. Ah. Hippolytus is the first anti-pope. And he's the guy, I think he's primarily responsible for writing the second uh, uh, Eucharistic prayer. So, I mean, there's obviously there was a, a real circumstance in where there's reunion, you know, in, into the faith with his situation. But uh, uh, he he was an anti-pope. All right. We have another uh, person coming in. Well, yes, so another we got question. another question coming up, you know. But this, this uh, next uh, caller had called in and Ben in Arizona. Ben, we thank you for your call and... Uh, he, he first says, we'll take his 40 degrees over the Minnesota weather right now. Oh, he's on the line. Oh, Ben's on the line. Oh, oh. see. Ben, are you there? I, I am. I am here, yes. <laughs> ben, are you in ben! Arizona? <laughs> yes, great. I am in Arizona. Ben, do you have a question for us? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, I've been kind of seeing this thing making the rounds, and, and I wanted to see if, if, um, if you guys could kind of help me out, unpack this thing here. Um Actually, I called in to, to Patrick Madrid, Madrid yesterday about it, and um, I always like to get a second opinion and, you know, kind of like, with everything, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's, this, it's this thing where, where it's a claim that, Jew, that, that Jesus was kind of a, um, an itinerant Jewish rabbi, you know, instead of, like, the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Redeemer of both Jew and Gentile alike. Um, and... To me, I guess my, my my question is, did Jesus, like, did he actually go to, like, I, I remember a story of him when he was, like, what, 11 or 12 or something, being in a temple and mm-hmm. and teaching, like, the 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 rabbis or something. Was he, he wasn't um, trained, like, at a rabbinical school or anything. I'm just curious if you're familiar with this thing that's kind of been floating around or, or the origin of it or, or if there's any credence to it or, or the veracity of it at all uh well he certainly was an itinerant jewish rabbi well i don't know if you'd call him a rabbi but he was certainly called rabbi by some people in the gospels but he was certainly much more than that you know you might you might remember parts of the in the gospels where they're asking he's like back at nazareth back in his hometown and they're saying where did he get this where did he get all this information so was he schooled in a formal level you know, we do know that he grew in wisdom and knowledge, as the gospel says, and so we see that uh, in his in his humanity that he was uh, he was somebody that uh, that grew in knowledge and and grew in wisdom. So we see that human side of him, but he was God's son because he claimed it over and over again. So so you can't you you know I mean it's kind of hard for somebody somebody that would say well he was just a, an itinerant rabbi and nothing more. I don't know where they're getting that and where are they are they taking like certain lines out of the gospels and if they're taking certain lines out of the gospels to make their case that he was nothing more than that then who are they to choose what part of the gospel is more authoritative than the other parts of the gospel and Ben this is kind of an age-old argument about you know was Jesus truly the son of God and did he claim that so it's I wouldn't say that it's a new thing um, it might be put into modern language actually we were talking earlier in the show about the great divorce by C.S. Lewis and there's a there's a character in there that kind of goes this route a little bit of well Jesus was just a teacher was he really the son of God he he really if he would have been able to mature to a mature age he would have changed his thinking 
those kind of things. So it's not a new thing, um, but it's, it certainly is that you know, Jesus is the Son of God, not simply just a rabbi or a teacher or a prophet. The Gospels are very clear about it. So thanks, Ben, for your call. Um, we have another call. You have a great day. Ron from Fargo, um, are you online? Yeah. Ron, go ahead. What's Ron, your question? thanks for calling in. Okay. Um, I'm working through the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius, and in there he talks about penance and causing like a physical discomfort or pain, but not injury as a form of penance. Is that something that's still practiced or can still be practiced today? Um, that's a really good question. I, I think, so a couple of things. One, I think you, you know, I hope that you have a spiritual director leading you through the exercises because I think that anybody who goes through those exercises needs, you know, like anything, you want a trainer or an expert to lead you through it. And so that's a big factor in kind of discerning some of these things. So I'd say that first. Um, the other thing is, um, I, I think we can like fasting and certain things. It, it does depend, I think, on your state in life. And, um, you know, the dynamics of your life, I, I, I would be very careful of, like, just really dangerous self-harm, and, like, you kind of referenced that. Um, for instance, kneeling, you know, there can be a great amount of discomfort in that. That can be a form of reparation, um, but it has to be done in love and in true devotion. You know, if you, if you look at St. Francis de Sales, for instance, Introduction to the Devout Life, you know, it's... It's always got to be done in love and in with the with the right kind of direction. And so. not like not like self congratulatory. You yeah. know, we have a group of guys in a parish doing Exodus ninety, I think they're calling it, like yeah. ninety days of like a hyper Lent or a super Lent type of thing. And and there's a penance aspect of it. And I've been talking to a couple of them. It's just like you know, take this. You have to take this in a healthy way, and you don't hurt yourself for the sake of hurting yourself. The whole idea of what Father Ryan says about getting a spiritual director is going to be more appropriate to what than what we can address right now in the short time that we have. But uh, ho hopefully that helps out just a little bit, Ron. We we, we have a yeah, another call. Okay, great. Thanks, Thanks Ron. Have a great day. I don't know if this is a caller or if this yeah, is Yeah, I think he's on the phone. No, we got another caller from Pequot Lakes, which is in our diocese. It's down in the southern part of the Diocese of Duluth. Matthew, are you with us? Yeah, I am. How are you, Father Ryan? I'm doing well. Thanks for calling. We just got a short time, Matthew. Why don't you tell us what your question is? Sure. Uh, the question is, is I was on um, I was on Facebook this morning. I saw a post, post by the Thinking Atheist, and I've always had kind of a hard time to uh, you know um, when people ask me about my God and, and that He watches over everything, and but all this evil things happen, you know, child molestation and things like that. And they go, "Where's your God when that happens? Where's your God when somebody gets murdered? Where's your God when uh, you know somebody's abducted?" Mm -hmm. And so, it's just kind of uh, you know, the thing is that God gave us free will. And because we have free will, we have the uh, capacity for virtue and the capacity for viciousness. And so, because of free will, especially with the examples with with the examples that you gave in particular, God doesn't force us to be saints. He wants us to be saints, but He gives us free will, and in that free will, people can abuse it as they do, and that's called sin. And I think also we have a God who comes to us and says, "I come to be with you in your suffering." That's Jesus Christ crucified. That we have a God who comes and says, I know that you're weak, I know that you're sinful, and I know that the world is cruel because of sin, but I come to suffer with you and to save you from it. And another thing is that we're so not... that's a big factor. We're not in Eden anymore. We're not in paradise anymore. Yeah. God God gave us the opportunity, and we abused the free will, but because we're not in Eden anymore, now we have the great 
opportunity to have Jesus Christ. Because if people never sinned, if those things would have never happened, then we wouldn't have Jesus Christ. And so that's the blessed fault that the that the um, uh, um, uh, the exalted says at Easter vigil. Matthew, I hope that helped out. Thanks for calling in, and I hope you're uh, staying safe down there in the snow and the cold. So God bless you. I am. Yes. Thank, th- All right. Thank you, man. Peace, man. Yeah, we've had some great calls. I mean, yeah, thanks, folks. Yeah. And so, uh, after the break, we're going to be uh, talking with a, a number of other guests. We're going to be hearing about from a canon lawyer, talking about what excommunication is, about a deacon that likes to date his wife. We hope, <laughs> and a whole bunch of other things. And so, uh, we will uh, have you back after the break. Thanks for listening to Real Presence Live. Stick right here on Real Presence Radio.